0: one two
1: three four all right welcome back to country and cold cans i'm logan today of trucker andy and kyle be sure to give us five stars great review on spotify and apple podcast and you know in the description of this podcast there's a link that says click here to leave us a voicemail uh we'd love to have any of your thoughts any of your questions anything you just want to say to us that's the place to hit us there coldcansnetwork.com for block content and merch. All right, fellas, let's just jump right into it because we have a, a very we have a lot to say, a lot to talk about on this episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, Andy and I were saying, could it be the greatest release day in history or at least the greatest release day that we've covered on this podcast? Um, last Friday, you know, we had a the great return of Turnpike Troubadours with a new album. Zach Bryan's mm-hmm. self-titled new record. Morgan mm-hmm. Wade dropped her sophomore record. It was just a busy day for music, and I haven't even gotten to some of the singles from artists that I really like that were released that day. Mm-hmm. But we're going to cover Turnpike and Zach Bryan today. Um, before we get into, we're going to do Turnpike first. Before we get into that, uh, I did see that Turnpike is opening three dates on a stadium show for Zach Bryan, which is kind of cool to see. Um, like the fact that those two together, you know, with a couple of other artists mixed in on the lower part of the card, are going to be. Uh, playing in a stadium it's pretty sick um nfl but it's stadiums also nfl stadiums yeah, yeah, not, yeah, like no, yeah. Anything not like yeah amphitheaters or nothing yeah yeah, yeah. massive stadiums yeah exactly so i mean i i was surprised to see the stadium thing but that would be a show that i wish was closer and i wish because that would be a show i'd love to go see uh but all right let's get into the turnpike troubadours first with their um latest released a cat in the rain so turnpike troubadours first and foremost uh, long-time Turnpike fans know this. Uh, the last record they released was in 2017, um, Long Way From Your Heart. And then in that faithful day in 2019, all of us hardcore fans, we, we remember the news of them going on indefinite hiatus. It, the Turnpike Troubadours was a band that we didn't know if we were ever going to see them on stage together again. We didn't know if we were ever going to get new music again. And, you know, if they had called it quits at that point and never got back together... The catalog they had given us had been some of the best four-album run that I probably had ever seen. Um, but needless to say, a year, year and a half ago, Turnpike annou- like announced they're getting back together. They're going out on the road. I've been able to see them at least once since they've come back. I'm seeing them again in September. Um, and then we got a taste of new music. So yeah, mm-hmm. some, some videos flooded around YouTube of Evan playing some uh, acoustic songs that were new and then they released three singles ahead of the uh the latest LP A Cat in the Rain and I, the the story of the Turnpike Troubadours is go ahead
0: didn't we get copyright strike because you found something on the internet <laughs> yeah we
1: did we got copyright struck because somebody got mad that we used their video and said we didn't credit them even though it was a jukebox. It wasn't even in a live and a, play. But also, her name was in the YouTube video description, crediting oh yeah, them, yeah. but they didn't read it. Uh, but, you know, lazy, as we say on tailgate lazy. season, I digress. Yeah. But mm, the Turnpike mm, Troubadours, mm. man, like the fact that we even got a new record from them is nothing short of awesome. Uh The fact that they're back together and touring is nothing short of awesome. This is arguably one of my top three favorite bands of all time. It's a band that if it hadn't have been for them and a couple of others, we might not be sitting on this podcast. They're very influential on, on me and Andy in particular. And their whole story is just one of redemption, one of forgiveness, uh, one of just like perseverance. And so let's just jump into the record here. Um, Andy, I'll throw it to you first to give your, your general thoughts on the record and then we'll go round table before we go into the track list uh, and and go song by
2: song after that. So uh, far as sound goes, uh, it's somewhat of the iconic fiddle and the iconic like guitar tone is somewhat gone. And surprisingly, I actually like the, this sound because this album sounds different than the past. It's missing some of your iconic where it's clearly turnpike sound. But I actually think this is a little bit better. Uh, Evan sings a little bit more melodically. The whole album is a little bit more melodic. And surprisingly, I think it's an improvement. I don't think I would have said that until hearing it. If you told me this was going to sound different, I would have said it's an improvement. The uh, I like how, considering how this album comes about after the hiatus, I like how a lot of the songs are so reflective of Evan Belker himself. I like how that's, there at times in the past i you can never tell if evan was ever writing about himself or not past because he's such a short story guy you don't ever know if it's about him or not but to me this is a lot of the songs on the album are clearly about himself
1: Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah, it it seems like a very personal record in a lot of ways even the songs because so six songs were written by evan felker uh one by rc Uh, one by Fulbright and two covers. And even one of the covers is, it it, it can come across when sung by the troubadours as being a, a very personal kind of song to his story. Uh, to, to your point about the production difference, like Shooter Jennings did this project where, uh, Wes Sharon did the previous two, three of the previous four. First one was done by Mike McClure. Uh but one thing that was I noticed different in the production that I actually appreciated about Shooter was Shooter had the the vocal harmonies higher in the mix. That's something we didn't hear a lot from from Turnbike as much on previous albums. I did I, one of my criticisms was I do think that uh, Nixie's fiddle was probably a little too low in the mix, Andy. Like you were saying, you didn't hear as much of the fiddle being up front and center. That was one of my criticisms of it was, was like I, I would have preferred to still keep that fiddle so like high up. Um, uh, overall, I think that this is quintessential turnpike, sonically speaking. The, the record as a whole, I, I liked how – like introspective it was, just because the journey and the the all the trials that Evan Felker, who I, in my opinion is the best songwriter of this generation, has gone through, it was very reflective. It felt very personal, and I my only other criticism would have been I I think that maybe if they and this probably wasn't the project for it, right? But I, if they'd included like one one more of those like you know like bangers like Every Girl. Back on uh, diamonds and gasoline, I probably would have liked to have one more of those like concert ready kind of sing-alongs but I get this is probably a little bit of a different project overall, I was a big fan of this record I, was, I will say that this record is like a lot of turnpike music, is it requires multiple listens It's yes. something that grows on you the more you listen to it, the more you, you pay attention to things, the more you grow to like it Your first listen like Evan writes in such a even when he's writing personal stuff, he writes in such a like narrative, like short story, like work, uh, a, a work of like literature, basically, rather than just writing a, a hooky song, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And it, sometimes you you miss things without listening to it multiple times. But overall, I was a, I, I was a big fan, like just one having the new turnpike music for me was amazing. But two, like the more I listen to this, the more a lot of these songs grow on me. That maybe I didn't gravitate to on that first listen, uh, right off the bat. But I, I was a, I was a fan of, of this one, Kyle. What about you? So <clears throat> I don't quite hear the
0: fast difference. I, mean, I still hear the fiddle and harmonica, which is what to me reminds me of Turnpike. I hear a lot of it, so I don't. To me, you know, I don't really see that big of a difference um and since you were talking about evan felker's writing being like a literary song i knew i had heard cat in the rain somewhere so i yes i looked it up cat in the rain 11th grade read his short story in Miss Murphy's English class. And I was like, yep. I, I
1: knew I recognized that he, somewhere. He's a very big Hemingway fan. And, you yep. know, I think Cat in the Ring came out, what, 1925-ish? Yeah. Somewhere, somewhere around yeah. there. I was like, but I yeah, knew he, I've very influenced that. by Ernest Hemingway. And, you know, one of the great, all-time great American mm-hmm. writers.
0: Um, I was like, I know that title somewhere. And I finally just had to look it up because I couldn't think of it. And <clears throat> you can absolutely see
3: how... Evan Felker is, in my opinion, the best, not short story, but orator
0: of stories in a short song that I've probably ever seen. Um, I don't really see that much of a competition. He could fit an entire story in a three minute song,
3: unlike anybody I've ever seen, Um To me, this album, from a you know wide angle
0: view, is just more of the good. I would challenge Andy because I had mentioned it to you earlier. Eight songs, two covers—is it an album? Granted, the two covers—I didn't know they were covers till I looked them up. They were both released in the early seventies.
1: Yeah, I'd never heard them before. I didn't know it either. Yeah. yeah.
0: (laughs) So, but. Andy's definition is it's got to be one yeah, nine songs. he's pretty songs. strict
1: and rigid on what he considers yes.
0: an yes. actual LP. So eight songs, two covers. Andy is an album. Is it an album?
2: Yes. I don't think covers that you don't know are covers are the same thing as stuff that's obviously a cover that everybody knows.
0: But who defines covers you don't know are covers?
2: Like, I don't know. A popular one people do is Hurricane. I guess it's by the band of Heathen. So I think, I don't know if that's who yeah. originally did it or not.
0: But okay, that's one point.
2: that is just they do it so it can't so be fun. the hits, can't be the yeah,
0: hits. Yeah, like
2: Okay, songs that are not I because I didn't know these were covers. So i stuff that was never very popular. I like okay. I give and some covers are perfectly fine and like uh, El Cerrito plays a good example by Kenny
3: Chesney. I'll mm-hmm. give him that cover all every day. Okay, that was I mean to me the. Strongest
0: criticism I had of it <clears throat> was it's only ten songs. That's <laughs> been what what six years, and I know you know he's been dealing with his own issues, but six years and been back together for what two plus? We get ten songs, eh? I'm a little I'm a little harsh on that.
2: I like the <laughs> ten because ten's traditional album length. And to me, like on on this release day, Turnpike is the traditional band. It makes sense for them to do that.
0: Unpopular take on the whole streaming era. Yes, I would agree. But we've already heard two of these. And then
1: two of them are covers. And then... And then Bottoms Up was actually a Felker solo song that he right. did. he finally so did a full band rendition. So it's really only five songs, but at the same it, time, we do not really yeah, but, know like so Turnpike's different than Zach Bryan, and this is why yes, I appreciate I that. I appreciate, and I don't. I'm not trying to necessarily like get into a comparison here because like Zach Bryan, we'll talk about him on the back end of the show, but it, he's different from a Zach Bryan. Turnpike is a little bit more of a traditional band. And yes, they're, I, yes. they they kind of have always gone with the more like all killer, no filler kind of approach to making a record. And yes. I I also don't know how much Evan was actually writing through that time period where he was kind of like overcoming some of his struggles and everything. So like, I see, plus on, I see the, a the few other, songs
0: that are pretty deep on him.
1: And I'm Yeah. Sorry. And the flip side of that too, though, is like maybe they didn't want, maybe he does have some stuff back cataloged out and they didn't want to uh, shoot their waddle on, on the first release back. You yeah.
0: Know? Yeah. I get that. I mean, yeah. Yeah. It's just in the streaming era when like we release a single, then we got an A side B side, and then we release three singles on an, on an EP or an LP, whatever we want to call it. When the album comes out, I'm a little disappointed that I've already heard a half the album.
1: Yeah. now I, I'm with you That's on the streaming it. era. That's just a reality That's of how so- things are now. Unfortunately. Yeah, There's it's just nothing, a little disappointing. It'll never beat the the rush of getting a new album back in when they were, like the physical album days, where you tear the cellophane off the off the CD yeah. Yeah. and you you get to listen to a lot of it for the first time. But you, unfortunately,
0: singles, yeah.
1: yeah, at the yeah. most, too, yeah. But it's like, unfortunately, can't put the smoke back in the cigarette. You know, it's that that yeah. just didn't gonna come back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. I'm. I'm with you on that, though. I'm with you. On yeah, that. I'm, on, I'm on the losing side of that argument, unfortunately. But yeah, everybody likes to have instant grat. You know, let's get as yeah, much as I want all the time. Now, yeah, I want it now. Yeah. I want all of it. Yeah. So, There's I mean, something that being made to wait for something just yeah. makes it uh, yeah. that much more satisfying when you actually get it. Shows our generation gap. The
2: uh-huh. way that you said that is that everybody wants instant grat, and you don't even say gratification.
1: I know that's like, like very modern way, that,
2: right? You should finish the
1: word. Yeah,
2: you sound
1: very,
0: yeah, very zoomer. It was man.
1: I'm hip with the kids. I know how they speak. No cap.
0: <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> Logan's trying to market to them kids to buy a car. It is their job. <laughs>
1: <laughs> nah, kids can't be buying no cars. They ain't got the credit nor the money. Too shy of them. All right, so guys, like Turnpike's back. Let's jump into the track list start off with the first one was the lead single uh mean old son mean old son uh, like to me kind of feels like it's uh one I, I really like the kind of how it eases into it you catch- you catch the harmonies, which is something like I said it's not something that traditionally they've done on a lot of songs, but you catch the harmonies off the bat um it kind of has a feel like I feel like this is gonna do play well in concert, but it also is a song about in my mind probably like the aftermath of what he was uh, in like the after his relationship ended and kind of like the the struggles to try to get back to where he needs to to be like kind of the fight to try to get back up there um, I, I was a fan of this one I, I will say this wasn't my
3: favorite of the three singles that were released but I did like this one um, uh, what were y'all thoughts on this to me, I, the timeline, yeah.
2: This song it, this song is kind of like The the, around the hiatus era like when that happened this feels like more so in that timeline
3: self-reflective song I would say the song to me is
0: we're gonna go down the, the nostalgia lane we're going for the old sound you know and this is why we released it as a single I don't think it's the best song on the record um, I would say it's probably middle of the road, but the sound of the song is what, you know, it's what you love and it's not the deepest. It's not, certainly not the best in my opinion, but it, it just, it, it, what they're trying to do with the song is just tickle that itch. You've had that itch it, for six years now. Yeah. <laughs> and you know it's, you're just it
1: feels a little bit familiar but still a little bit different at the same time I, it's old I, but new at the same yeah. time cuz one of the things that so both these artists we're covering today are, are artists that I can say without a shadow of a doubt what I appreciate about them is they make me feel something. They make me feel something on a deeper level than most artists do. And it's like, there's a short, there's a lot of music and artists that I like, and I really like their music and I'll come back to their music, but there's something about a Turnpike song that has always struck a different chord with me and made me feel something. And just, I think some of it is having to try to like, listen intently to what Evan is saying. Cause even in a song like this, where I agree, Kyle, I don't think this is one of the best songs on the record. I think it's a good song, but I don't think it's one of the best songs on the record. I mean, just listen to lines like this. Cause like the way he writes is such an, is such like a work of literary art. Like in this song in particular, he's like empty promises I've given hollow heartbeats in my chest and every word of sterling silver stirred butterflies beneath your breast. Like it reads like a poem when you're not listening to the electric guitar, the banjo and the fiddle in the mix. Like it reads like a poem, man It's like, yeah, he, I, there's yeah. just something about Felker that his songwriting style just draws me in. He's a lyrical
3: genius. Yes.
1: Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's
0: no other yes. way to put it. I mean, yeah, he is a lyrical genius. And <clears throat> to me, what I really enjoy about Turnpike is you enjoy just the noise and, you know, the band, the harmonica, the fiddle, all that. But then after the second listen, you're like, I really need to look up the lyrics because I, <laughs> yeah. I because I know it's much more than just the sound. Um, and, you know, you don't really, you can you can get the gist of the song on well, a lot of the songs, but some songs you really don't get the you know the the depth and the gravity, if you will, without looking up the lyrics and then playing the lyrics, I love the lyrical videos on YouTube that some fanboy does because it plays the lyrics as the song goes, and it completely changes the uh
3: what the, the environment, I guess, if you will. The, you know how you absorb the song, yeah. yeah.
1: It's one of those things that it listen to becoming a turnpike fan over the years has made me realize that I actually like poetry <laughs> because normally, I don't like, like poetry, I like well, see, music like, with poetry. I, well, that's what I, that's my point, though. <laughs> okay, like okay. I, I've yeah. never been into reading poetry because I just oh, yeah. couldn't appreciate it, but now I realize it was never that I couldn't appreciate the words written on the page, it's just when you put it to such like scintillating music that Turnpike puts it to, yeah, they, you put he, it to a he's fiddle. singing poetry, yeah, <laughs> yeah, he's singing poetry when you put a fiddle <laughs> but, behind
0: it, it makes everything better,
1: <laughs> all right, so track two, it gets to one of the um one of the other singles that was released, and this was my favorite single released out of the record was brought me brought me is a song that on the surface seems like a love song, but in reality, it's kind of a love letter to the fans, like the, just the fact that he he was sitting there, um, there. There's a line about how he looks up at, towards the end of the song. He looks up and he sees your eyes um, at like the ballroom and in, in Tulsa and like their return show back in 2022. One of those things where he's not, he hasn't forgot who brought him to the dance. Essentially. He gave his heart away for free. He's had some troubles. People were uh, afraid that we'll never get to see them again. Uh, but here they are, they're, they're back. And you know what? like, he's not going to forget the people that brought him to the point he's at. Um, After kind of like hearing that side, when I first started, I just heard a love song, but after hearing that side of it, it changed my perspective of this song. I actually really, really love this song now.
3: Um, Just as kind of like a thank you to the fans in a lot of ways. Yeah. Couldn't have said it better.
2: Where Logan, you said that you didn't think there was a good like concert song off this album. I think this is a good concert song because the chorus is very catchy and sing-along-y type, which is something I can't really think of another song from them where they've done a song like this in the chorus where it's so melodic and sing-songy. I feel like this is the concert. I think this would be a good song to sing along with in concert. It's just different than the stuff they've done in the past.
1: I agree because this has a, a flair of like, celtic music and a flair of like old english music with kind of like that like a pub kind of barroom sing song kind of style and i i now that you say that andy i think we'll find out september 23rd uh 4th yep but <laughs> but i agree i think this this is going to be play well in concert but
2: it's just different from the their concert songs of the past it's, it's just a different sound
1: yeah all right moving to track three lucille uh we get another female character brought into the um uh basically a song about an an ex girlfriend is how i took it and uh like sharing characteristics uh, uh like the at the end of the chorus where he's like asking about like who's looking after the children or whatever i thought that was kind of funny but uh i was a fan of this i did really want to i hope next album we get some uh songs about lori but i was interested to see another mm-hmm. another female character brought into the philperverse
3: when I first heard the song, I was like, "Is there some medieval instrument or
0: weapon that's named Lucille?" I know that name, and I yeah. You know, after a little bit of research, um, I found out it's the bat in The Walking Dead that some character uses. I was like, <laughs> "I know that name," and all I can think of the whole time I heard this song is that bat that is- from The
2: Walking Dead. That is not where I know that name from.
0: (laughs) That's what I recognize. That's all I could hear the whole song. I was like, yep, it's a big time to leave me.
3: Yeah, I was was like, I know that name Lucille. I was like, it's all I could think of. Completely ruined the song for me. I still like it, but it's just all I can think of when I hear it. (laughs) Yeah. Andy, anything before we move to the next? This is why I was nice. yeah. All right, so
1: next up we have Chippin' Mill. This one was written by uh, R.C. Edwards, who plays bass for Turnpike. Uh, I think this one is a. It's a good song. It's not one of my favorites. I think it's this one's kind of a fun song in a lot of ways, and it kind of speaks to probably the perspective of the the band, I guess, in a lot of ways. Uh, towards Evan is how I took it, but also it could be like the band towards the, for the fans, like the, with the line, I always kept the best for you. Um, like putting your heart through a chipping mill, selling your soul to rock and roll. But uh, this was, I, I liked this one overall. What say you guys? Hmm. It's interesting because I had never thought about chipping mill as a... There
0: we go. I never looked at Chipping Mill as a song, as like a reflection towards the band. I just always looked at it as a quasi-cheesy love song. And as a self-reflection towards the band, it is a much more interesting song. Um, Because we all know Evan with his problems. Those guys got put through the the ringer, if you will.
1: Um, And they were at their their peak. about to yeah, start yeah. doing uh, arenas and then, <laughs> yeah, the- stadium tours and arenas. arenas.
0: And then, you know, like I said, he, his problems not only just put the band on a lively, uh, you know, on question marks, but their actual livelihood. Because, you know, with most bands, the singers is the name guy. And, you know, you can, you know,
3: so yeah, that that view does change my view of the song quite a bit. Yeah. Because, yeah, yeah. Before that
0: I was just thinking, that's eh, a fine kind of quasi cheesy love song. But when you put it yeah, you have completely yeah, you've changed my view on that song. I did not look at it as
3: a Evan quasi apology to the band.
2: Yeah, I I think this is another one of the ones that's gonna be like a sing type deal.
3: Yeah. Like especially in concert.
1: I Think you're having some audio difficulties, Andy? <laughs> oh,
2: I'm parked. Let me get parked.
1: All right. <laughs> we'll we'll move on while you're doing that. So next song is The Rut, which I think is arguably one of the two best songs on the yep. album.
3: 100% um, agree.
1: Yep. The 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 line in this song that that really just floored me, I guess I would say of this is um, I don't miss the taste of liquor or really anything about it, but the temporary shelter was a welcome uh, compromise. The, this song is kind of like the, when you get almost on the backside of, of your like demons, so to speak, like you, you get slight, like you get get in recovery of whatever Mm -hmm. issue you have like the kind of pulling the nose up on the plane. And I, one thing I appreciate about how Evan Felker handles this stuff, it's not so on the nose. He tells a story about going to the mountains with his, his dad uses that imagery in the chorus. Mm -hmm. Um, It, 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 cause it can be applied to almost anything. Anybody's kind of going through, you know what I mean?
0: Yeah. Well, you know, he talks about going to the mountains with his father and, you know, he goes through the, the verses you just, you outlined and then, literally a first later the ending verse is i came back to the mountains and they're still here it's like your problems really don't matter They're, you know as if you handle your things you know the world's still here still here for you to enjoy yeah
1: and like if you can get through it like the beauty yeah. of of life is still there yeah and
3: that was I think it's the best song on the record. And this was the one song it was like that you really
0: looked at. And I was like, all right, this was the Evan Apology Tour, if you will. Because you can obviously tell it's his apology to the band.
1: Yeah. And this Uh, one's like this is the most obvious. Yeah. This one's very introspective too, just about his journey. Uh, I mean, it's fantastic. Getting on the other side of whatever, you know, whatever problems he he had to face. Yeah, and Um, what
0: the part I really loved was he equates going to the mountains with his father, which you would assume if you and your dad are gone, you're a young man. And then all of a sudden, 10 years later, you're still a young man, but you're a young man without without the guidance of your father who, you know, is over your shoulder, if you will. And he has gotten past that. But we, you know, we all know how our young, early 20s are. And, you know, he's gotten past that. And he looks at that as wisdom is the way I looked at it. Like he's done what he's done. It's, uh, he's not gonna do it again. You know, it's a, it's a very self-reflective, Wisdom, song full of wisdom, which. But he says it so well where you don't have to just say it, if you will. You know what he's saying with in much less words.
1: Yeah. Andy, I I know this was when you had talked about a lot. Andy said, well,
3: because you had something you had brought out and that was in the chorus that kind of had a callback.
2: Yeah, the. uh holding out for more than barely breaking even i think's the line of the album because of the way because it in good lord lori it's uh barely breaking even is just part of life folks like you and me or something like that like the context of how the character is in good lord lori somewhat is more like evan in the past and we're in this song where the line is where it's You know, he's changed his opinion on, you know, he's holding out for more than breaking even. This is him now. And I think the way it ties those two songs together, jumping from album to album, stage of life to stage of life, I think just spectacular.
1: No, I 100% agree. And I didn't catch that until you texted me that. And this is where I've, again, why I say Evan Evan Felker, greatest songwriter of his generation because Mm -hmm. of things like this. Like he weaves together this like almost like his own kind of like songwriting universe that he's done where um, and then it ties it into his own life. Because, like you said, Andy, barely uh, breaking even for folks like you and me. And then, you know, the journey he's been on to get to where he's at now and then this line it's just it, it's it's nothing short of magnificent
2: and even to an extent like you said like there's no Lori in this album it also from because that ties to good lord Lori. could just be Lori is left in the past now because things are different now that that's now. behind that might be looking too far into it but then again that's something that evan would do
0: yep we really deserve a song on that <laughs>
1: So. All right, so next up, uh title track, A Cat in the Rain, as Kyle had uh pointed out earlier in the show, um it he kind of seemed to have drawn inspiration from like Hemingway's um 1925, I think it was, uh, work of the same name. Um that uses that metaphor. But the the line of this song, like one, there there's been some speculation. Could there be a reference to, you know, a certain animal loving country music megastar that he, he, Miranda Lambert, that uh, a reference her kind of like bringing in, uh, breaking his thousand yard stare, bringing in a cat from out in the rain. But the line of this song, in my opinion, is uh, if pressure makes a diamond, babe, I, I might still come out
3: clean. Um, this was one of my favorite songs on the album. Hmm. Andy?
2: Uh To me, this is somewhat just more of like another uh, introspective song reflecting on himself. To an extent, yeah, it's a criticism I would have of the album. I I don't even know. I I like it, and I don't. It may be almost slightly too introspective. Like, it's –
3: I don't know how to say this without saying it it sounding bad because I don't mean it to sound bad, if that makes sense. No, man, I I get what you're saying. So this song also, the story isn't super, super
1: clear about from start to finish what it's 100 percent about either. It's just one of those songs that you kind of it's almost up for <clears throat> some interpretation on the listener. But it, it was one that initially grabbed me out of uh, when I first went through it. But uh, next up, Black Sky. This is the one that was originally released by Ozark Mountain Daredevils in the early 70s. Um, this is a fun song. I I don't have like heavy. Uh, I don't have a lot
3: to say about this one other than just this seems like a fun song for the, that. They'll probably play in concert. Yeah, yeah I um, agree with you. Yeah,
0: this sounds like the closest thing Turnpike's ever came to.
3: Quasi mainstream, but it's not. I mean, it's just, it's the only thing I can even think of that I could imagine hearing on Radio Country. But it's not. <laughs> it's still <laughs> a mile away from it.
1: And then next up, we have Eastside Love Song, which, you know, if you're a longtime fan, you know, you know, this song is Bottoms Up because he originally recorded this as a solo song 10 years ago. Um, I think it was on the, um, it was a compilation record. I want to say it was Sounds of the Alley. I think yeah, is what it was called. Three.
0: Volume, volume, yeah,
1: Volume Three. Volume, yep. But this this sounds like old school Turnpike to me, which makes sense, Andy, considering when he <laughs> he wrote it was you know twenty eleven, over ten years ago. So twenty uh, thirteen is when it was released. So 13. probably yeah, twenty eleven, yeah. twenty twelve was when it was written. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, this cool one, boys, you
0: know,
3: <laughs> yeah. There's, I
1: mean, there's a a reference to um, a rooster in this song. You know, they've, they've had some reference to that, to that in previous, like, this is just like an old school turnpike song to me. Uh, I'm very much a fan of that. So it was, you know, I'm glad they finally did a band version, like full band of this song. I don't remember this. I don't know if you've ever heard it.
2: I don't, I don't feel like there's a way. Was it on YouTube? No, I think it's on Spotify. Huh? I would be shocked if I haven't, but I don't remember it.
1: Because it it was funny because this song came out and it was titled Bottoms Up the same year that Brantley Hilbert put out his Bottoms Up that was a big hit.
0: Oh, God, what a crime.
1: So, all right, then next up, we have number nine on the record. We have uh, John Fulbright's "Penned Three More Days, a song about being out on the road. This sounds like a Fulbright song, and I really, really like this song, especially the uh, the lines where it says, I like the company, but the drive's too long. Yeah, learn to love living my life from 11 to two. Um, Three more days uh, on the road now, honey. God help me make it home to you. That line about uh, learn to love living my life from 11 to two. Just thinking of it in the context of like a touring band. uh, That line just hit the spot for me on, on for this
3: song but it sounds like a Fulbright song to me.
2: Yeah. This is down somewhat towards the bottom of the list on the album for me. And the writing was fine. It sounds fine. It, it's fine.
3: It has a um, very
0: predictable beat for what I call like on the road music. It's like one, two, three, one, two, three, one, two, three. And you can follow the whole song on one, two, three, one, two, three, one, two, three,
3: it picks up on two and it ends on three. But it's not the worst. It's fine.
1: Well, Mark, that as Andy and Kyle didn't like it. Moving on.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I said, the we la- said it was fine.
1: We said it was fine. Yeah. Yeah. The album closer is the other cover from the record that i a- I want to it wasn't written by Jerry Jeff Walker, but I I believe he released it in the Mm -hmm. 70s at some point. But it's called Once You Give Me One More Chance. Um, This song feels personal, even though uh, Felker didn't write it, just because you think of it in context of him him and his first wife are now married again and they have a kid together now. Like they're they're remarried. So it almost feels like it's a song speaking to that, even though he didn't write it. Um, But I will say point out the one thing I liked about this was the record started with harmony ends with harmony i kind yep. of appreciated the beginning and the book end on that so what do y'all think about this one being included on the project
3: andy is it an album andy mm. all right andy's died um
0: yeah i i tend to agree it has the traditional turnpike
3: sound with the harmonica. The fiddle comes in a little bit later. So, this was a skippable miss. I didn't really love it, but it's fine. And since you know Andy's dead and won't respond to me, no idea.
2: <laughs> All right. I'm back now. Well, no, oh, he's God. back. He
3: lives. He lives. Andy. Well, before
1: we move I... into Zach Bryan, let's uh, three favorite songs. <laughs> Start at three, go to
2: one. Andy, oh, you go first. Oh. Uh, brought me or starting at three. Chippin' Mill brought me The Rut. Kyle?
3: Uh, Lucille, The Rut, and Cat in the Rain. So
1: for me, it was Cat in the Rain uh brought me and then the rut but definitely very good return from uh turnpike troubadours i was excited to get new music from them and can't wait to hear some of these songs in concert on september 24th maybe we can get kyle to go since the tickets available. i'm going, I'm going. oh nice sorry right. first first collective country in cold cans concert right. the turnpike hey, troubadours I'm going. Andy, we're going back full circle now that Kyle's on the show, Brent. That's where it all started As long as
0: Andy doesn't fuck me and be like, oh, you owe me 50 bucks for a ticket. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, if you if you, it only costs you 50 bucks a turnpike, that's probably a deal. That's probably a good deal, yeah. But, you know, Andy said, Andy said oh, it's It's sold free. up. price 100. Oh,
0: shit. Oh,
1: shit. I'm a poor boy.
3: <laughs>
1: <laughs> all right, let's move into the other record. Uh, Zach Bryan. The phenomenon that is Zach Bryan released his um, next studio album. It's his self titled record. Zach Bryan's very interesting because Zach Bryan doesn't follow the rules about what the music industry has traditionally said, how you're Mm -hmm. supposed to go about things. From the time that he was like coming out and not even intentionally becoming famous, just putting up YouTube videos while he was in the Navy, to just how his style of music, where he just writes very poetic low produced in a lot of ways for the majority of his career uh songs that have just resonated with young people in a way that I just never expected from a roots artist, just to how he's blown up to where he has guys like Jason Isbell and Turnpike Troubadours agreeing to, to, to open for him is nothing short of incredible. Um, <laughs> like that's, that's just amazing. Uh The thing about Zach Bryan too, is he releases so much music and he released like three songs ahead of the record and one and to go, you know, as another way he just goes against the rules of the music industry. None of those songs are on the album, and I love that. Uh yeah, it was all yeah. all new music. We had yeah. 18 tracks, 17 songs, one poem. Um Zach Bryan is an interesting case study uh for, for music historians the, one day. And the
0: poem was the same title as a track
1: on the album. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Just, so I mean what the one thing about this album too is like the album cover. It's very similar to like uh you know how American Heartbreak last album had this kind of like old school, very like Ameri- America, not Americana yeah. the uh the genre, but Americana kind of yeah. feel, like a like yeah. a timeless it album was, cover. This one does too.
0: Yeah, it's taken in like four eighty p camera. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um I've also seen some hilarious memes <laughs> that people have substituted, like Donald Trump. Yeah. Where, Don, where Zach Bryan is gonna sing and it's Donald Trump. And it was like
1: <laughs> Donald Trump. <laughs> Which are you know, they're hilarious, but so um, let's get yeah. into uh our initial thoughts and then we'll jump into the track list. Um I'm a big fan of this record. There aren't many artists that make me just feel things like Zach Bryan does. I'm all in on it. Like when the older folks older than us don't get Zach Bryan. I don't understand it, but I get it. I, the, he yeah. has some just amazing lines in every album that he has. He finally on this record is at a point where he is starting to write with hooks now um, mm-hmm. on some of these songs where that's not something he did early in his career as much. Um, there are some really good catchy uh hooky choruses in this he co-wrote some um and he had four collaborators warren treaty sierra Farrell, casey musgraves and lumineers on tracks um my only real criticism of this record he because he produced this record himself a couple of the songs i don't really love the production on um the one in particular that is a very good song but i can't really listen to it because it's essentially a voice memo recorded in a field of smaller acts that's just yep. that was just a miss there's a couple of songs that probably should have been left on the on the cutting room floor, but one tied back into what I just said earlier. Zach Bryan doesn't go by the normal rules of making records. He no. wanted to make what he wanted to make, and you know what? I kind of applaud that. So yeah. overall, that was, big, I'm a big fan.
0: Yeah, there was one record on um, American Heartbreak that he recorded literally in a field. Yeah. Um, <sighs>
3: I would like to thank him for only releasing sixteen songs, which is like
0: <laughs>
1: half of thirty-four. Um, he said it was originally supposed to be eleven, but then it ended up ballooning new, up to like sixteen. A, a, yeah, eleven, eleven would be preferable.
0: But you know, he had he is notorious for just shitting out content in a not yeah. negative way. It's just he's just going to just throw his load out and you're going to catch it regardless if you want it or not. (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah, the, the album art is fantastic. It's going to be memeable forever. Um, he is kind of reaching on the jawline physique. You know, he's got a great jawline.
3: I think, I think he's reaching there on the album art. Um, there's a few songs that I just love and there's a handful that I I could do with that.
2: Andy. I, in short, I think it's fantastic from the writing. I like the production all the way through there's, I really have basically zero complaints all the way through. So before we jump, but into the as we track- know, I can be a fan of cheap production. Yeah, well, see, I just can't. I
1: I like the lyrics to Smaller Acts. I just can't understand for the like. It, it just. I'm sorry, that song sounds shitty. That's not. That's the one that I just can't get on board with. The rest of them I'm okay with, but that one, I'm just like, dude, Andy and I can record that quality on our iPhones. Like, <laughs> like that. That just was a miss production-wise.
2: But the rest, I'm. I'm he has with a you. large fan group that like it.
1: That's. But that's worse That's not the normal though. Like, and at this point, his fans are so loyal that they'll suck his dick if he made fart noises over uh, on a voice memo and put it on a, on a album. But you're not like wrong. that's that's not like his nor his normal lo-fi sound. That was just literally like an iPhone note. But, you know, it's not my record. As his. But
3: <clears throat> uh, hold on. Sorry about that. I had to piss. All right. Let's jump into the track list. <laughs> um, so the first one
1: is the poem. Fear and Fridays. Yeah, I skip. didn't lo- I didn't love the poem on American heartbreak. I liked this one. I skipped it. Yeah, like just so. there's this sense of like Zach Bryan just loves it's throughout the whole record, but Zach Bryan just loves the idea of living. Like it just I know that sounds cliché, but it just it's how it encapsulates with the way he writes and this poem encapsulates that perfectly. Just the idea of you know, he kind of says this is who I am. Uh Fear and Fridays have a lot in common. Uh, they're overrated and they always leave you wanting. Um, that's a great line. Uh, Andy, where were you? Where were uh, you? Like the poem on the last one. So how'd you feel on this one?
2: I liked this one. Cause I'd already, I'd already heard this on YouTube, but I probably liked the other one a little bit better for, as far as poems. But yeah, I, I like this from the first time I heard it. The, the writing on this is this poem is better written. The last one, the, the way it was produced and everything, it was the story of the other one just sucked me into what's going to happen next. So this one is written better. But I think I like the other one better.
1: So next up, we had Overtime. And Overtime is funny because I really want to hear y'all's take on this because Overtime is the first instance where he starts to use a lot of horns. And this song, from the melody to the production style, is straight up Bruce Springsteen and the e Street Band. Like, and I, and I say that with all the love in the world, because I love the boss, but this is a Bruce Springsteen inspired song. Um, I love the the cadence to this song. The production has me writing that kind of heartland rock vibe that I, I I'm a big fan of. So I, I was here for this one.
2: Yeah. The <laughs> probably my, one of my favorite, I like the horns. I like, I would like Bruce Springsteen if his voice was different. I can't understand a word <laughs> that guy says. I can't understand a word out of that guy's mouth. That's my issue with him. I probably actually, the the snippet from, I think it was a Barstool TikTok is what I saw. Yeah, it was from Dana
1: Beers.
2: (laughs) That Redneck Yell is just the quintessential Redneck Yell. And I like how it kind of kicks the album off too after the poem. I really like that. I like the way that, I like the way he did those and this and another song, like the little snippets put into it.
3: Um. um I find it, Logan. When I told Logan I was out on the uh, poem, um,
0: he skipped me. Um, yeah, the poem sucks. Um, if I want to listen to, if I want well, I mean, to I thought talk, that
1: was I thought that was your take. Was yeah. yeah I mean, I didn't well. think there was much more to say. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. The poem sucks. I was like, poem. I don't like it.
0: <laughs> if I want to listen to you talk, I listen to rap music. Um, over time, <laughs> yeah, it um,
3: it's funky. I'll give it to him. On this album, there is no... There's no way to define this album in three words. When I first... When I first listened to it, I was like... It's very upbeat. And then all of a sudden, it slows way down. Um i really like the song but i just can't put to words how he somehow manages an upbeat horn put on a
0: on a slow like a, a song with a slow beat song i don't know how he does it but it makes it work fantastically
1: i don't really think the beat's slow on this kind of has driving drums throughout most of the song <laughs> I mean, it's like down,
0: like, and, up, down and up. This song has that hard charging and kind and of up.
1: driving. Well, you're talking about the melody then.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's down and up, down and up, down and up. And, then, you know, it, yeah, yeah. The drums are, co- are
3: a constant. Yeah. Yeah. Because he know.
1: has like that hard charging kind of like melody on the verses. And then it gets a little more melodic in in the chorus.
0: Yeah, that's true. Yeah.
3: Yeah, he he's he's confusing
1: man. It <laughs> it works, but
3: so yeah, next up, summertime's close. Uh, what were you alls thoughts on this one? Or close, not close. Is that the same word?
1: Yes, there's they're um, spelled the same way, pronounced.
2: Differently. But are they pronounced the same? Okay. Close and close. This no. song. <laughs> Yeah, that 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 that's I don't know. That's that was my thoughts from this song, is that it got me really thinking about that. And I started saying it and I was like, I don't know if these are said the same or not.
3: Is that all you have? Yeah, it hurt my brain. <laughs> Kyle. This song is a very good example of how Zach Bryan can somehow do the slow down but speed up and it stays in stays in his vocal range extremely well.
1: It's very hard to do. Um, So one of one of my criticisms of this album that I forgot to say at the beginning was I don't I don't it wasn't the production overall. It was the vocal takes. Zach Bryan is never going to be winning an award for best vocalist. No, from a, but- like he's not a Chris Stapleton, Ronnie Dunn vocalist, but this. But a lot of times the best songwriters aren't. He emotes very well in most of his songs. The problem with some of the tracks on this record, with him being the producer, not having someone pushing him in my mind is some of the vocal takes fell flat that if you have somebody who's producing your record rather than you doing it, they tend to push you to you need a better take. I think there's a couple of tracks, and we'll get to them, where I think that he kind of fell flat vocally in some of it, and then some area, other areas where he just hits the sweet spot with his emotion, him kind of having that growl and scream that he does. But yeah. um, I, mean, I yeah. love the, uh, what is it,
0: what's it, Fire Carolina, Oklahoma, yeah, in, yeah. In the Yeah, in the yeah. chorus. Yeah, I, it's, it's perfection it like i said he stays in his he stays in his range
1: on this one he does yeah on this one yeah and god
0: it's so good
1: this song was one that i i honestly don't really know what it's about (laughs) and i love the way it sounds i like some of the lines in it. i don't know what it's about
0: the song is um too smart for me because i yeah i can't figure it out either
1: all right. So next up is one of my favorite songs on the record, East Side of Sorrow. Um, I, this song in particular, from the production to the songwriting, I think was every, it was just absolutely fantastic. It kind of dives into, you know, being sent off the war. Uh, people that he loses people in the August heat, you know, on the battlefield. Uh, he gets back home. People say they don't even know what they were fighting for. He gets back home. And then it, it kind of references his mother passing away and him like how that kind of sent him into a spiral and then saying like he was mad at God and then it gets into the chorus where he says, God was like, you know, the sun's going to rise tomorrow. This is on the east side of sorrow. This is where the him writing with a a purpose in the chorus and with a fantastic hook and a fantastic melody. This is like quintessential top tier Zach Bryan in my mind. Loved this song. And then uh, Andy, I know you probably were going to mention this. I'm not going to mention what's coming later in the song.
2: Yep, the Turnpike's back together and they're writing songs. I like multiple, because that fits it fits the narrative of the song as well, and then it also fits the fact Turnpike put an album out on the same day. He's promoting Turnpike's album within his own, which Turnpike is tagged in his Spotify bio. The only person I think even mentioned. That's how big of an influence they are on him. And I like how he's promoting their album, but the line's also the double take, because it's hey, man, we can just go sing some Turnpike songs. I think that's that line is what stood out by far the most of the song to me.
3: This song is (laughs) fantastic, man. It's the best song on the record by a mile. Like I said, we get hints of She's Alright with talking about how he's just... There's no hope, you know, he loses his mother in the waiting room and all of a sudden, you know, with an extreme tragedy, there's some form of optimism.
0: You know, you just look west and you just keep on going. And I love how he does the little clever wordplay where if you just keep running, eventually you're going to run out of daylight and then eventually you'll be on the set of the sunrise um, I mean just fantastic I love the yeah, you know, like Andy said a little clever line of uh, turnpike writing songs at the end
3: but that to me is like the least important part of the song the the first minute and a half of the song is just absolutely fantastic
1: because to your point, Kyle For things to be so bleak When this song started It's such a hopeful song Yeah And it, yeah. it's like The optimistic side uh, to, Like of just trying to Fight through the adversity Fight through the bad breaks you get And you know Things will turn around it, It's a very hopeful song That I really appreciated that Yeah man uh, In this song Yeah,
0: yeah. Like I said I mean, so you just run out of things To be sad about <laughs> Because you run out of daylight a, uh, <laughs> To me is Just the song
1: It's just Absolutely I mean he is just phenomenal here. So next up, we have the first collab, and this one's with Warren Treaty. Um, the main vocalist on this is Michael Trotter Jr. Um, it's a husband-wife duo uh, called Hey Driver. Andy, I know this is one of your favorites.
2: Yeah, this this is my favorite. I, oh, where do I start? Uh, I like how, like where you said in this album, a lot of times Zach Bryan's vocals are flat. I like how in the harmonizing he is very flat and Michael Trotter is the, the opposite of that. And it just, it still syncs so well because they're in it. They're, they're so different in the way they're singing, but it's so it meshes so well. The writing is, it's a very heavy song. It's very, I guess, very sad song. I like the, I think the line, the, um, uh, I've been feeling like there's no point at all, kind of describes the whole makes the whole rest of the song make sense. More so he's just tired of life and the way in the chorus, you know, we still put sugar in the iced tea, the women are fine, the love is fair. You know, basically take drop me off anywhere that's not the life that we're in. Take me anywhere else but here. You know, basically just done with living the life that in this current existence and just take me anywhere else. Yeah, it's kind of like metaphorical
1: and literal at the same time because, like, wanting to get away from whatever the situation is, metaphorically speaking, but at the same time, he's physically trying to remove himself and put himself in a different situation to try to run from whatever it is he's running from. I'm with you on that. Um, it, it works as a like the cognitive dissonance of Michael Trotter Jr.'s like top tier fantastic vocal. And then Zach Bryan was very flat here, but it just shows you. Like, you know, like I say, I don't have a problem with uh, vocalists who are not the Chris Stapletons of the world because a lot of the best songwriters are not the best singers. And yep. but it does yeah. kind of show you side by side of someone who is a great singer, like a, just a singer. And then you have the singer songwriter, Zach Bryan, they get the, the differences. But it worked in this song be, uh, with the way they handled it. Um, I
3: was a big fan of the song, too. Zach Bryan got out. Um... He got overshadowed on the song, in my opinion.
1: He even said it at the beginning. He yeah, goes, I mean, our, Michael Trotter was like, you ready? And he goes, hey, Mike, it's your song. <laughs> yeah, I
3: mean,
0: yeah.
1: Um, he gets yeah, he gets overshadowed and
0: kind of gets quasi-drowned out on the song. And I'm more interested in Michael what, Trotter. Is that who it is?
3: Michael Trotter Jr., yeah. Yeah, yeah.
0: I'm more interested in him than I am in, you know, Zach on the song. Unfortunately, it's just because he's he's so much better on this one particular song. So it's it's
3: a harsh criticism, but you know, I didn't really care for it because this, like the Lumineer song, I just I don't know, yeah. Oh, I love
1: the Lumineers song. We'll
0: get oh, to that man, one in a cut, little bit. I hate, um, I
1: hate the Luminaires. <laughs> All right, so next up is the song Fear of Fridays. what would y'all take on this one?
3: i a skip. It's not a skip. It's tough to follow yeah. up hey driver with this. But it's still good. Yeah, I liked it, but... Uh,
1: you know, I'm not gonna wax poetic about this one compared to some of the others because this this one wasn't one of my favorites. I don't skip it, but I'm with you. It I liked Hey Driver a lot. This one wasn't one of my, it's towards the bottom of the record for me. Uh So moving mm. right along to Ticking, which I absolutely love this song. Yep. The chorus to this is. Nirvana, bro. Not the band, but just like Euphoria, <laughs> not the TV show, but you know what I'm saying. Oh. <laughs> this, this, Tell us how you love Zendaya or whatever her name I is. I was saying yeah. 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 it's pretty hot. I not her so, and Sydney Sid- Sweeney, but yeah, that's but, right. Yep. <laughs> Sydney Sweeney, yeah. But the, the chorus to this, this is another example of him just writing a hooky, like, yeah, very melodic, like. Chorus that I, I'm—I was here for this, and I love the difference in the just how drastically different the verses and the chorus were. Almost kind of how it was on—you remember with "She's All Right" last record? Yes, how the, it was very <laughs> oh, yes, different. Yes, it worked on this too. I was a big fan.
3: Yeah. I, um Yeah. I retweet what you said. Yeah. I mean, fantastic, Andy. This song
2: is a good. I listened to uh, Grady Smith's reaction to this. And it was something he said that I would agree. Zach Bryan and Logan said it at the beginning. Zach Bryan has this thing about you know living life to the fullest, and then also some of the like the downsides of living that way. And this song is a I think was a good example of of that. Uh, saying what I just said. There's a word for it. I was trying to buy and coming up with it. No, I'm with you on that. Yolo, I, I think this, this did kind <laughs> of.
3: Yeah. Yolo hey,
1: yeah. Um, all right. So, next one's the second collab he did with Sierra Farrell called Holy Roller. Um, I think this is a uh, pretty good like love song. So to speak, like uh, I ain't never been a Holy Roller, but uh, I've I found God in your eyes. But my favorite part, Andy and I talked about this the other day. My favorite part of this song is in the second verse. He goes swigging on a handle Tito's. Yeah, yeah. I love memes. that part. Uh, there's <laughs> that's, memes that's, about that. That's very memeable. But that that part's gonna hit hard in concert, dude. I,
3: yeah, also,
1: I like his vocals like on it. I do too. I like his and Sierra Farrells. They they sing well together on this. I like her a lot. I haven't ever covered her stuff on this show, but she's a good artist that people should check out if
3: you don't listen to her. Yeah, I would um tend to agree. Um The song has a very clever play on words, on the word holy. Which quite interesting. Other uh, you know, it's, it's good. I don't really
0: have a world beater description of the song, no.
1: Andy, yeah. Andy, it's kind of like you were talking about Grady Smith. Grady Smith's uh thing he said about this was he goes, <clears throat> It's a love song, where he's like, Yeah, I'm out here living. He goes, And you know what, girl? He goes, Your eyes remind me of nature. <laughs> <laughs> Uh. (laughs) All right, so Jake's Piano, Long Island. This one's kind of like two songs in one. This was very interesting. This isn't one of my favorite ones on the record. I did like the, I like the writing on both halves of this one song, two songs. I don't know exactly how it is. It was a very um, ambitious, creative endeavor, I would say. Um, And in a lot of ways, Long Island is kind of like trying uh, trying to relate to someone who is going through losing somebody uh, but solid song. I think he does it well. I think that Zach on the piano is something we haven't heard a lot of it in it, Jake's piano at the beginning was, uh, was pretty good. So um, thoughts on this one. I hate the piano. God, you said you love this record and you've, uh, I'm wondering if you liked any of them so far.
3: <laughs> uh, no, no, there's,
1: there's like seven. I
0: really, really yeah. love. Yeah. yeah. But I, I hate piano and songs. I just, I I don't know. If you're going (laughs) to go piano, you need to go organ and just do classical.
3: But I I just don't like the piano. I,
2: I like the two songs together on one track. It's similar to, I think Green Day did it on like half of American Idiot. Which is about to be classic rock, surprisingly, but <laughs> people our age, it's you know back to our childhood, but I like the piano and Jake's piano, I like Jake's piano, I like Long Island a lot more the yeah. The sound of Long Island like when it switches, there's something about that sound that just just strikes a chord in me, and how it's his vocals have been quiet throughout like Jake's piano and up. I mean, how he like gets to the growl type part in uh, Long Island, it just stands out so much more. Yeah, it's just got uh, that sound.
3: I
1: like the second half better than the first two. Uh, but now moving to track ten, probably my second or third favorite mm-hmm. track on the album, El Dorado, or as he pronounces it, El Dorado. This is another yeah. example of Zach uh, riding a hook and a really catchy melody and doing it well, which is different from the more kind of poetic style or from earlier in his career. Um, you know, kind of thinking about somebody that you used to know, whether it's a friend, a loved one, a, you know, love interest. Um, the chorus of this is just straight money to me. Uh, going back to El Dorado. Hell if I know if you're still alive, there's a note in the glove box of your drive this just when it, I don't know what it was. This was an example of like when Zach Bryan hits that chorus, it's just like it hits all the right, the right
3: buttons for me that I was like, this is right up my alley. To yep. me, this is uh, a, I, <clears throat>
2: go ahead, Andy. Yeah, I don't have a ton on it. The, uh, the chorus does sound really good and I should be there tomorrow.
3: It's a driving ass song.
1: No, oh, yeah, it's great to drive to. I agree. Yeah, it's a
0: driving and you ass need to, song.
1: You need to make sure you play it while you're driving through El Dorado. Oh yeah, you have to now. <laughs> yeah, that's
3: true. Yeah, driving ass song. I love the little guitar riffs. Gosh, this and another song, he just nails the guitar riffs. Even though he does. Mispronounce it. Pronunciate. <laughs> Pronunciate. Yeah.
2: So yeah. I, some people say it, like Colorado is a good example. I've heard Colorado, Colorado, and uh, Colorado. I've heard no, all no, three. Colorado
3: yeah. is wrong. Yeah. Colorado is wrong. It's all Colorado. Right, so now, I'm with Colin. It's Colorado. Uh, The other one,
1: people out there call it Colorado, though. No, they're wrong. wrong. That's how they say it. The next one's the the third collaboration he did with Casey Musgraves. He co-wrote this one with Casey, I believe, actually. It was called I Remember Everything. This is a fantastic, you know, almost post-mortem on a failed relationship. And this is almost, in a lot of ways, like Zach Bryan's all-too-well-Taylor-Swift moment, except for... In his version, he's the bad guy, As whereas Taylor, she wasn't, right? Uh, No, she never is. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But but zachs he's the bad guy. Um, There's just a lot that's similar in that song and this song. I don't know. You guys probably aren't super familiar with it, but listen to it. And regardless of what the girls tell you, don't listen to Taylor's version. It's, It's just very gratuitous. She added seven extra minutes to a fucking song that didn't need it. But... It, this is a fantastic collab he did with Casey Musgraves. I, I really kind of love uh, her verses in it, kind of just talking about um, things he necessarily didn't do right. Uh, really good effort in my my book.
3: Yeah, I mean... <laughs> Casey Musgraves has the voice of an angel. Um, <laughs> she... Yeah, she... I don't I don't want to overshadow him, but I'm sorry, Casey overshadows him.
0: Um, she's the highlights of the song. And you're right, yeah. Um,
3: it is a song about how what he did was everything that he did was wrong. Um But damn Casey's good on this song. I mean that's uh,
0: my main takeaway: God, she's good.
2: Yeah, hey. I, damn, she's I, good, man. I don't know. I do think hers is probably better, but I, I think I don't know if it would have sounded as good without Zach's part before. It really like, yeah, yeah, he does like the, the the tempo down. It's it, it set the tone for it, story. Yeah, wise. It, yeah. it meshes. The collab is just. Really good, the song's really yeah. good. it's well, this I mean, song is yeah. all together is just really good, every aspect of it. I
0: would also say that Casey's range kinda adds to like the the feminization of the song, where Zach you know we also- you talk, talk about how Zach' is very flat, but most men their range is very flat and how they talk. And Casey has a lot more emotion in her voice, which I think kind of adds to the emotion of the song. Zach
1: being very monotoned, and. Yeah, I mean, this wasn't one of his like where he yeah did, because like this wasn't one of his songs yeah. where he emoted a lot
0: on it. Go. Yeah, but, you know, Zach's lack of emotiveness kind of. I think plays into the masculine masculine, feminine dynamic of the song, which is fantastic.
1: All right. uh, Andy, I know the next one was one that you said you liked a lot was a uh, tourniquet.
2: Yep. This top three on um, for it. I like the sound of it, the way it starts. We'll stick with the sound and then it ends up with the rock guitar, which was sick. Yep. And then the, uh, I love the, the, if you need a tourniquet or you want to turn and quit, I love that little turn of phrase. And I love mm-hmm. where he put in in the production. I heard it was from Streetcar Named Desire. I've never seen it. The little like almost like airplane airport noise or whatever it would be considered. You know, after the you know delays on the planes leaving Eastern Montana, I really like that in the song, production wise. Best part
0: of the song is the guitar riffs. God,
1: they're fantastic.
3: I mean, Everything just, you guys
1: just said, I'm 100% agreement with. They I, just rip, bro. God, they rip. Oh. yeah. This was a, a favorite of mine too. Uh, next up, Kyle's favorite on the entire record: The Lumineers and Zach Bryan's Hated "Spotless." It. Hated uh, it. I loved this song because Hated this it. this was Hated one it. that <laughs> it, uh, this was this was just one that. Um, I thought kind of fit both their styles meshing together. Well, vocally, I, the first time I listened to it, I really had to listen to <laughs> who was singing at first. And then I, my ears caught up to, to who it was, but it, it's a song that uh, it's very relatable and it's very human because if you're looking for someone who's spotless, AKA somebody who's perfect then, in a partner, then you are just looking for the wrong thing. Cause you're not going to find it. You're always going to be disappointed. Um, Cause I'm not spotless and neither is you. Uh, so that's, I really like this one a lot. I'm sorry.
0: The Lumineers are poisoned because my <laughs> sister and her boyfriend love them and they play it all the goddamn time and
3: I'm just like uh I hate it. Yeah. Unfortunately, you can't do who's singing for
0: most of the song. I hated it.
1: <laughs> Alright.
3: Next
0: up
1: it. we... Next up, we had tradesman. This was one where I thought Love very, it. very well done because it. it's it's that thing where he's a musician, he has a very different, unique life, and but it's that idea that you're living very, you're very blessed, and you're not having to work with your hands, but there's this carnal side of you that wants to work with your hands. And the line about the only like is uh, on his mind or on his brain, fantastic. Um, it's just mm-hmm. that kind of idea that if, if you're of the Different type of lifestyle of being kind of famous and wealthy. Sometimes you just want to be have that nine to five release. You know what I mean?
0: But the verse of the
3: rich boys can't fake it, where he knows a skill that you know you can't just fake it till
0: you make it. I love this song. song I like I do. It too. Yeah, I have a trade
2: skill. God, love it, man. And. And too, like, I think where he said, what was the line? There was, I didn't take no easy way out. Like where everybody, yeah. the, all the other people are going to be saying he took, he's like, the ain't as easy as it looks either. And he was like, yeah, you okay. know, we would both rather trade positions and it's, you know, type deal.
1: And yeah. he's uh, also speaking to like the, the emotional and mental aspect of it too, that it's, it's not as easy. People think that it's glamorous and glorious, but it, it takes its toll on you mentally with your uh, yeah. mental health. And, yeah. and that sometimes he thinks it would just be better just to work a regular job with his hands and be a normal dude, yeah, um this
0: podcast, me and Andy are on the opposite side of you logan um you know, and there are days that there's it's less you know mentally demanding, but it's more physically demanding and you know I, I just I love the fact that he pays homage to that.
1: Love this song. Next to last track is Smaller Acts. I think it's a very well written song with a really cool story. And I love the Shadow to the Mercury Lounge. I've been there. Hate the production.
3: Yep. Hate it. I don't hate it. Hate it. It's a. It's, Kyle, it's you
1: a, and I could record this on our iPhone notes and it's still the same. Yeah. It's got some auto tune, I'm assuming, and it. It Doesn't fit his bill,
3: you know. It's just it, his whole thing is very stripped back, independent music,
0: and then you know, it's just it's it sounds very he is very, known for iPhone videos, just yeah, the but, same recording, yeah. But even even but they sounded vague, more clear
1: than this, <laughs> yeah. It
0: sounds, it sounds heavily produced.
1: Th- this is not. This sounds like you're going for that sound rather than it having that sound. And the end result was a muddled mess that you can't understand. That was my issue with it. Because if I want to listen to Zach Bryan and a lo-fi sound, he's got three records I can go back and listen to. So, yeah. Yeah. you know, yeah. it, this one just didn't work the way he probably intended it to. But you can you can hear it in the guitar. Yeah. Yeah. But the album Closer. loved this song. Oklahoma and Son like just the, the chorus in this about no matter what you do, no matter where you go, no matter how successful you are, you can't hide where you're from and who you are. You know, you can, you can uh, go and sell your guns as it says, but you're always going to be Oklahoman son. This song
3: uh, like hit, hit struck a chord with me. I love this one. Yeah. You are who yeah. you are. You said it. So. It's not,
2: it's not way up there on the list, but for me, but yeah, you said it. So. Well, we, uh, that's Zach Bryan's self-titled, uh,
1: record. Um, nothing short of very, 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 very fantastic here, here about like we've expected from him over the uh, last few years. Um, real quick, yeah. to close out the show, three favorite songs, starting at three, going to one Kyle, you kick it off.
0: Oh we yeah. got tradesman. Tickling
3: and East Side of Sorrow.
2: hand to me ticking,
0: ticking. What is it? Tickling?
2: Yeah, you said tickling. Oh shit! Yeah, sorry, ticking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. I I remember everything. Tourniquet, hay driver.
1: For me, I'd probably say ticking, El Dorado and East Side of Sorrow he are fantastic fan
0: fucking fantastic all right so a hey, 16 i think we're still in good shape to uh break my over under because apparently he
1: has more songs he hasn't released but then again it'll be a separate project so well, i said we all 27, missed on this No, i said 27 and a half of the year right well, well sure. you did say for the year you did say that's fair you did say for the year that was the over
0: under in december
1: so yeah I, I think, think I took pretty, the under. All right. You chose the yeah, I think we're
0: I think we're in good shape. Yeah. Probably I took the over. But <laughs> nine and a half. No, ten and a half. We need ten and a half. Yeah.
1: To break over. well, so. let us know what you thought about uh both the Turnpike album and the Zach Bryan album. Probably one of the most memorable release days that we've had in a long, long time. Um, I've been going back and forth between these records so much, and I really need to get to some of the other stuff that was released that day. Uh, yeah, but in the description yeah. of this podcast, there's a link that says, "Click here to leave us a voicemail." We want to hear from you. You Got any questions, any comments about these projects, or just anything in general? Hit us there. Uh, be sure to click subscribe, share it with your friends, and give us five stars and a great review for this episode of Country and Cold Hands. I am Logan Sidney with Trucker Andy and Kyle. Take we care, guys.